This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score. And if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past. Well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com. That is blockbases.com. Well, welcome everyone to the Cosmos Club where we talk all things Cosmos, which we daily about what's going on. And then we invite interesting, fascinating, hardworking builders to uh, spaces like these. And today we are honored to have Eric back with us. This is not the first time that you join uh, the club. So for anyone who hasn't listened, you can uh, find us on Spotify and all the other podcast platforms and re-listen to the uh, space that we did with uh, Eric in the past. But Eric, welcome back to the club. Hey, how's it going? Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So uh, just for those who haven't uh, listened in to previous episodes or perhaps is uh, unaware about the uh, injective, there's still some of those out there in the world. Who is uh, Eric? And just give it a personal touch, basically, personal background on uh, how you ended up building uh, injective. Uh, um, it's certainly been a while. Um, I, I think, you know, hey, guys, this is the Eric, uh, co-founder and CEO of uh, Injective Labs. Um, and Injective Labs is a core contributor to uh, Injective, uh, the blockchain uh, built for finance. And I think I started off working on Injective around, I would say like middle of 2018, maybe a little bit earlier. And basically, you know, started off uh, just uh, exploring um, a lot of, you know, earlier concepts around DeFi and some of the kind of like uh, infrastructural shortcomings around it. And initially, you know, realized that I can probably come up with a pretty quirky and creative uh, cryptographic solution towards, uh, you know, resolving some of the, you know, fundamental blockers uh, for, you know, having a fair exchange in a completely, you know, permissionless and decentralized setting. Um, and yeah, like, you know, started working on uh, Injective Labs ever since. Um, turns out, you know, the quirky uh, cryptographic uh, trick that I've used um, uh, it's still under development to this day after like five or six years. So um, basically, you know, allow for Injective to uh, evolve, you know, a lot since then. Beautiful. So you have a technical background just to uh, nail it down. Who, um, who's like, talk to us about the, perhaps the, uh, the early days, because I know you guys, uh, worked a lot with uh, Binance initially. So I think a lot of people, when they look at Objective today, you know, it seems like, oh, they've been so big uh, for so long. Like they have so many followers and so many people using the protocol and all that. But that, it wasn't that long ago that that, that wasn't the case. So um, maybe just give a little uh, background on the, on how you guys went from uh, sort of uh, joining, I believe, the Binance Accelerator or at least the startup program and then spiraling that into or catapulting that into uh, what what Injective is today. 
I think we're far from being big or, you know, having a lot of users. Um, I, I feel like it's like, you know, barely the beginning. There's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and yeah, like uh, back in the day, I think, you know, the, during the early days of uh, Injective Labs, um, we decided to, you know, work with some of the top uh, exchange players uh, out there within the ecosystem, um, especially, you know, looking beyond um, kind of like the U.S. Uh, um, kind of customer base and user base, but looking internationally. And uh, at that time, it seemed like, you know, Binance was certainly the best fit um, to give us uh, advice on, you know, from their perspective, from a centralized perspective on, you know, what makes the user tick and, you know, what um, what type of uh, place um, decentralized finance or uh, DEX uh, infrastructure or any type of on-chain financial application can have um, to, you know, truly differentiate not based on you know self sovereignty or security, which you know generally users uh, don't necessarily um, uh, um, be extremely mindful of or be extremely sensitive towards, but how to truly differentiate in terms of product offering and how to truly grow the user base uh, in the most fundamental way possible. Um, and yeah, like so, so we spent a lot of time you know during the early days with a lot of folks from Binance um, and work with you know also a lot of uh, early backers and you know early uh, um, kind of. Uh, um, supporters, uh, along with a, a lot, uh, you know, a small team back then, um, and really kind of grew from that point on. How did you um, sort of merge or bridge the uh, the two ecosystems, if you will? Obviously, being the Cosmos Club, focused on Cosmos, but uh, working closely with Binance at least initially. Talk to us a little bit about that journey, and then uh, we'll get into what objective is uh, more in detail. I think it's fairly, you know, it's fair to say it's fundamentally different. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, finance or any type of uh, centralized exchange platforms work like a, a SaaS or, you know, like a uh, um, kind of like a, uh, you know, two-sided marketplace, you know, uh, um, essentially again, like scale, it has a flexibility, it has, you know, a completely different iteration cycle or, you know, feature offering. Uh, compared to you know any type of uh, decentralized counterpart, but the interesting thing here is that there's a lot of things that you can learn uh, from you know the growth of uh, from from like the success of you know a lot of these uh, high growth platforms like Coinbase, like Binance, etc. Um, it, and you know it's the same thing where you know the the user base fundamentally is fa fairly similar in terms of profile, um, and obviously you know there are finer like. Uh, differentiations in terms of, you know, what they're looking for. And obviously uh, there are a lot of advantages um, and disadvantages for, you know, building like a Cosmos based chain or building like a decentralized counterpart of anything. Um, and I feel like people, you know, oftentimes uh, are too focused on kind of like disadvantages um, and typically, you know, understand that, you know, oh, like you have to be super crypto native, you have to, you know, uh, um, you know, set up like a wallet, you know, most of the people, most of the user within this space or, or end user in this case, you know, don't even know how to do that. And, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, institutions that are willing to trade on chain, uh, et cetera, yada, 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 um, without, you know, having just, you know, stretching their time horizon out and understanding, you know, like the potential kind of like veering, uh, playing into the strength um, and basically, you know, build up like an ecosystem that way. Because um, during, uh, I think, the early days, especially like, you know, uh, our time like interacting with a lot of folks from Binance and Coinbase, we realized that one of the biggest advantage for DeFi is this, you know, hyper-efficient um, and um, infinitely scalable merit-based 
uh, coordination of, uh, you know, uh, resources and minds. And this means that, you know, like there's already a very much of a natural like incentive system uh, that are extremely well designed. Um, and basically, you know, it has uh, a very strong like value spillover to everyone who's trying to build, you know, complementary applications or, you know, like uh, unique uh, offerings and being able to build horizontally exponentially compared to any sort of centralized uh, entity, you know, trying to build, you know, moats and uh, trying, to, uh, trying to, you know, enclose the user within like a single like centralized uh, ecosystem. And I think that uh, coupled with um, a lot of different like, you know, uh, more interesting and intricate properties of uh, being on-chain and decentralized uh, probably contributes to the biggest uh, differentiator towards, uh, and, and, you know, in, in probably like very soon or like in a few years, uh, one of the unstoppable advantages uh, uh, to, you know, take over like a, a dominant market share over like centralized counterparts. Human beings are incredibly good at finding reasons not to do something. So yeah, if you if you only listen to those saying why not to do something or holes in the cheese, as we like to say where I'm from, then uh, you're just not you're just not gonna do anything <laughs> in this world in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's great, that's great, man. And uh, in, in Cosmos, uh, speaking on behalf of the Cosmos Club, of course, uh, we are. So happy that you guys set out on this journey in the first place. But let's talk about uh, what Injective is. Uh, I'm not going to butcher it, uh, especially not having you on, Eric. But from the get-go, the the sort of catchphrase that is being used uh, multiple times when people refer to Injective is it's the fastest layer one blockchain for finance. But Injective is much more than that. So uh, I'll pass on the mic to you and just uh, dive into what, what Injective is all about. Yeah, I, I think we do, you know, tend to regurgitate the tagline, which is like injective is a sector-specific LM blockchain, you know, purpose built for uh, financial applications, or in short, a blockchain built for finance. Um, but you know, underneath that, uh, it's really like an open, uh, interoperable layer one blockchain um, that has, you know, a lot of the out, uh, out of the blo- uh, out of the box, you know, plug and play modules uh, that are you know, puts all the applications building on top of Injective to be, you know, extremely bleeding edge um, and to kind of venture into uh, kind of this, uh, you know, paradigm that uh, can be deemed as, you know, the next generation of a, a, a kind of DeFi, applic- uh, like kind of like DeFi primitives. Um, and that's because, you know, uh, even from like a chain native perspective, uh, there's modules uh, that are, uh, that, that includes, you know, decentralized spot and derivatives exchanges, prediction markets, uh, you know, lending, Oracle, et cetera, and much, much more. And this means that, you know, there's these, you know, chain native, uh, unopinionated um, kind of modules that allows uh, applications to leverage, uh, to, you know, utilize, uh, to be composable with, um, and doing so without, you know, any type of uh, uh, kind of uh, inefficient gas economy. And more importantly, you know, uh, the entire ecosystem, because uh, these uh, core infrastructural components are, uh, you know, t- extremely tied in with the chain itself. Uh, they're also, you know, all the stakeholders within the ecosystem are also extremely incentivized to kind of advance these uh, modules and to, you know, uh, make it like infinitely scalable and uh, infinitely, you know, uh, more usable. So by basically by constraining the stakeholders and all the participants and the infrastructure of uh, the chain to be surrounding, you know, uh, financial applications and, you know, 
finance-focused, uh, you know, primitives. Uh, it basically allows for like a ecosystem, uh, you know, developer, and also most importantly, you know, uh, community members uh, that are hyper-aligned towards, you know, optimizing being the best possible uh, environment for this specific, uh, you know, vertical. And, you know, to, to contrast against like generalized environment where um, there's oftentimes, you know, uh, uh, competing, you know, trends and narratives uh, going on. Um, and, you know, people aren't sure about the longevity of a different types of narrative and trying to find like a generalized, you know, like a one size fit all solution to, uh, for all, you know, breadth of, uh, um, uh, you know, applications, use cases uh, with various type of, uh, you know, computational, uh, 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 you know, constraints or, you know, uh, space constraints. Um, and, you know, oftentimes uh, as a result, kind of having this tragedy of the common situation where, you know, NFT is, you know, definitely extremely expensive uh, from like a, you know, on-chain gas perspective to transact, to mint, uh, to interact with. Uh, and uh, at the same time, you know, there could be uh, extremely critical DeFi, you know, uh, applications and protocols uh, that, that requires, you know, liveness, that requires, you know, constant transaction or, you know, that requires uh, um, uh, kind of like responsiveness uh, in terms of interaction to, you know, have survival. And this is why, you know, like, uh, um, generalized uh, environments oftentimes can do very well, uh, very well on like the initial adoptions, but oftentimes, you know, have like the most drama in terms of like, uh, you know, uh, conflicting uh, uh, kind of like needs and wants. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree. And um, something that when you say that, uh, that comes to my mind is at least the, the, the highway, the, the difficult route is to is to make it more general uh, purpose, uh, like Injective has done. Um, it takes longer, typically, and uh, we're not known for being very patient <laughs> in the crypto industry. Uh, so it's very tempting to uh, to have, you know, this laser focus on one particular thing and just stick to that only uh, and not being general purpose. But I don't know, have you guys uh, perhaps seen some, uh, some pushback on your approach? Um, because I think it's very, pur you, you do it very much on purpose. Uh, it's pretty clear. Um, but have you experienced any pushback on that? Oh, certainly. There's, uh, you know, there, there's plenty of pushbacks. Um, you know, uh, essentially, you know, once, uh, since the very, very beginning when we decided to take this approach, um, we basically understood, you know, like what we're sacrificing, um, you know, some of the challenges we're going to face and, you know, uh, some of the advantages we get in the process. It's, uh, you know, everything is kind of like a trade. Right. Um, and one of the most obvious things is that you lose out composability against, you know, like the major asset hubs uh, or, you know, adjacency to like uh, existing primitives. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, you either build out like a very, very strong like uh, uh, interoperability or composability layer, um, uh, you know, as like a, you know, Cosmos based chain with, uh, uh, let's say, like Ethereum with, you know, like, uh, um, uh, I guess, like for a while, you know, like Terra, Solana and stuff like that. Um, or like, uh, you know, you, you kind of uh, go through like the zero to one phase for a lot of, you know, like underlying or like, you know, base layer primitives. Um, and then, you know, you work towards, you know, something that, you know, uh, applications within like a generalized environments can't really achieve. Um, the bright side about Cosmos Chain is that, you know, uh, thanks to IBC and thanks to, you know, mm. all the, you know, native modules, um, it's highly interoperable and super, super convenient with all the other chains that, you know, um, uh, are building on top of, uh, you know, Cosmos SDK. But, um, uh, you know, obviously, like, uh, 
it, it, it becomes difficult to, you know, uh, interact or like be composable with, uh, you know, some of the, you know, more dominant like Ethereum solutions, et cetera. And yeah. that, that is just like a, you know, like a, like a choice you make if you want to you know do something different like uh, uh you know you're going to lose out like a lot of the perks of uh, being a dap yeah and i think you see that uh in full skill actually at the right now with uh, the atom token and, and cosmos hub uh, in particular uh, versus for example ethereum uh, and the eth token um where sort of value accrual and economic value that people tend to be very focused on, too focused on, if you ask me, uh, tends to struggle a bit um, uh, with a more general purpose. But speaking of tokens, um, something that I can see also the community from the questions is very excited to hear more about is the ING token. Uh, not that we need to uh, talk to uh, talk about that for the rest of the space, but uh, obviously with the uh, ING 2.0 uh, announcement uh, with the burn mechanism, you guys got a lot of attention for, for that. So uh, walk us through that. Walk us through the burn mechanism and uh, what you guys changed to the tokenomics. Um, I, I think that's actually, you know, like one, um, it's kind of like a very, very interesting story because essentially, you know, like uh, right off the bat for, you know, the injective ecosystem, um, there is a, you know, innate burn mechanism that's built in the chain itself through like the exchange module. Uh, and you know that that makes sense because uh, most of the um, you know exchange fees um, uh, being charged you know to the platform uh, to you know like anyone uh, interacting with it, um, it needs to go back to like all the stakeholders and you know burn is probably like the uh, most uh, you know uh, fair way to do so. Um, I think like one of the surprising things is that you know there's there has been recently like a proliferation of like you know DApps, um, especially on like you know um, adjacent sectors. Like uh, you know, like NFT or like GameFi, etc., um, that are also basically um, you know like uh, generating a lot, uh, immense amount of uh, value, and are you know kind of uh, almost uh, altruistically initially to contribute to you know the growth of the injective ecosystem as a whole. And we realize that you know um, uh, the obviously you know a lot of the existing infrastructure uh, is uh, built or geared towards uh, you know the exchange module, but it's extremely, you know, like uh, easy to open up the contribution of, uh, you know, um, weekly auction uh, to everyone. So it's all the, you know, dApps, uh, you know, uh, that are, you know, native to Injective or, you know, uh, that, that are within the Injective ecosystem. Um, so that kind of uh, um, proliferated and allowed us uh, to formalize, you know, basically like a um, quote unquote, like a 2.0 economics where, um, um, Basically, you know, applications, uh, you know, deploying on top of uh, Injective as a chain, uh, and obviously, you know, like uh, um, Injective's core chain uh, um, has like a permissioned uh, Cosmos and, uh, smart contract environment, um, and obviously, you know, later on, it's going to have more and more scaling solution uh, for uh, kind of like a more permissionless environment, etc. Um, and that basically allows for governance to kind of uh, uh, negotiate in, in a sense, or like just work uh, co collaboratively with uh, different types of, uh, you know, smart contract applications that are looking to, you know, deploy on top of uh, the injective core chain um, and, you know, like establish like a very much of a win-win kind of like economics. Um, and on top of that, obviously, you know, like uh, the community has been recently has been, you know, growing tremendously because of all the 
uh, you know, gas payments and you know, all the recent activity within the interactive blockchain itself. And it also allows for like a potential redistribution of uh, kind of uh, uh, gas fees towards these projects that are contributing, you know, uh, prorata to these burns. And by, you know, simply uh, opening up um, the contribution of like, uh, you know, burn auction pool to any type of arbitrary address, um, it basically, you know, opened up, you know, all these possibilities for like a much more like uh, um, synergetic uh, kind of like develop developer ecosystem. Beautiful. And I'm just going to sort of dwell a bit on the money flow here to understand the burn mechanism or make sure that I understand it correctly. And I'm just going to read aloud from the from the blog post that uh, that you guys did. Um, where you say that basically in its original exception, the token burn auction is auctioning off 60% of all fees collected on exchange dApps, so dApps building on objectives, and subsequently burned the tokens used to pay. So it's essentially the uh, gas fee or the network fee being paid in IG tokens. They will be collected, 60% of the fees will be collected in a basket, and then community members can can auction those uh, payments and then the money come coming in from the auction is being burned is that correctly understood eric or am i missing yeah. something yeah that's uh fairly correct beautiful that's awesome i mean uh, burning mechanisms tends to be extremely good for price action uh, if you look to uh, <laughs> if to move the price up for sure um just to understand the background of this, uh, what was the motivation for introducing this in the first place? Um, I, I think quite simply, it's more about, you know, like uh, figuring a, a way to, you know, act as a proxy for, uh, you know, like the value uh, that's, uh, you know, being persisted and generated within the ecosystem itself. Um, and, you know, burn being like a, um, kind of like a natural uh, kind of counteracting force against the uh, inherent uh, kind of like uh, you know inflationary economics of proof of stake networks, and that's that's kind of like uh, the initial idea around it. It's uh, quite simple. It's like oh, like you know, like proof of stake network economically speaking, uh, will you know have this uh, you know perpetual you know in, in inflationary mechanism, um, and you know it's uh, it's oftentimes you know very uh, fairly concerning uh, for uh, a lot of the ecosystem participants because. You know, in, in any type of like economic model, um, it's you know typically uh, better to have you know both inflationary and deflationary uh, you know conditions, right? Mm. Um, uh, to, to to kind of taper like the you know fluctuations and volatility. So um, uh, the the natural way from that is to you know taper uh, the you know uh, inherent inflation within the uh, ecosystem and you know uh, reflect kind of like the value that are going through the platform. Beautiful. But ING and the, talk, the change in tokenomics is, uh, is not the only thing that's happening in the objective uh, ecosystem. And that's an understatement right there. I'm just going to list a few. Um, and we won't get through the entire list or we won't be able to elaborate on, on all the points. So I'll let you, Eric, uh, cherry pick the ones that you uh, feel like is the most uh, relevant. But just to mention a few new launches, there is the uh, on Mito. There's the first uh, real-world asset vaults now live on Mito. We just talked about Helix uh, in Institutional, uh, which went live today, uh, which is quite funny when uh, Grayscale then shortly after wins the case against uh, NCC. Impeccable timing right there. 
There's Cascade, the first Solana SVM rollup. There's identity infrastructure with Masa. And that's just for new launches. Then we can talk about integrations and other ecosystem dApps. Uh, you have side protocol bringing new DeFi primitives and atomic asset exchanges into the injective ecosystem. You got Space ID, basically a name service. You got Hydro Protocol, liquid-staking derivatives. You got Warp Protocol, decentralized automation layer. You got Talis, the F NFT marketplace on Injective. I mean, the list just goes on. So <laughs> I'll pass back the mic to you, Eric, uh, on what you think should uh, be highlighted or you want to elaborate on because we can't get all, through all of them. There's just too many things going on in Injective, <laughs> clearly, uh, these days. Yeah. Um, so Mido just opened up, uh, you know, uh, early access, I believe. Wow, it's only been a few days. Wow, that felt like forever. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, people get to, uh, you know, we've already been working with uh, a lot of that, you know, uh, kind of like, like uh, early uh, supporters uh, and, you know, shared access with uh, some of the, you know, most active community members uh, to get some early feedbacks and, you know, continuously iterate uh, upon the product and also help us to, you know, uh, figure out, like, you know, what are some of the mechanisms that they like, what are some of the mechanisms that, they're, that they wish to see. Um, and, yeah, like, uh, for, for the first time, it's a, uh, being released uh, kind of almost like to the public. Um, there's obviously, you know, Helix Swap that was launched recently, and that is uh, not just, you know, like kind of like a front-end type of product that allows for like kind of, uh, you know, the interaction with uh, uh, spot markets and being able to, you know, just seamless, uh, seamlessly swap between, you know, like all the um, all the markets. But it, more importantly, it also um, uh, is uh, essentially like a swap primitive uh, coupled with quite a few like very interesting, you know, uh, new chain primitives uh, in the process uh, to ensure that you know it can uh, support you know um, multi-route uh, swapping uh, across you know, multiple different uh, um, markets and at the same time um, you know allowing for you know like a flippage to only be catch uh, to, to uh, practically only be caught at the end uh, or revert uh, revert otherwise so this means that you know it doesn't matter how the uh, slippage is you know in one of the markets. Um, it basically, you know, if you're swapping across, you know, five different, you know, spot markets as well, um, long as you, you know, set up like a tolerance uh, that are better than like a certain level, um, um, you know, your 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 swap is kind of guaranteed to go through, uh, and this uh, arguably makes for you know one of the largest or most important simplifications of uh, you know DApps trying to integrate with uh, um, kind of like the uh, um, exchange module, mainly the spot aspect of things, um, and kind of enables. Uh, uh, a lot of the interoperability solutions actually uh, to be able to, you know, tap into injective liquidity from, let's say, you know, like Solana or Ethereum, et cetera. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, Cosmos-based chains can already do that right off the bat thanks to package forwarding. Um, and, and this basically allows for, you know, uh, injective cell liquidity uh, to be, you know, much more malleable and much more accessible to, you know, any other applications uh, within this uh, multi-chain world. Um, Cascade, yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's one of the most exciting, you know, uh, uh, roll-up solutions for us recently um, because, you know, uh, there's not a lot of uh, people trying to, uh, you know, tackle uh, building a roll-up for, like, SVM. And that mm -hmm. also has to do with a lot of, you know, kind of the uh, inherent properties of, uh, uh, you know, like the salon environment. Um, and bringing that and kind of, like, uh, welcoming, like, a lot of the, uh, Solana uh, dApps and you know developers uh, to join the injective ecosystem, uh, especially you know they're already fairly familiar with the Rust-based environment. 
um, and you know, using it as like a kind of like a stepping a stepping stone towards uh, you know being fully uh, ingrained within the uh, injective uh, you know uh, uh, infrastructure. That's always exciting to me. Um, but this also hints at you know more more like uh, you know scalability work that we're doing uh, to not only you know uh, scale like uh, injective as a you know blockchain as an ecosystem because you know like we uh, we still have plenty of room um, until we need to you know like even like think about that problem. But most important to, uh, most importantly to have like a diversity of uh, you know uh, um, uh, execution environments practically speaking uh, so that you know there's different types of like a pre compile uh, for EVM uh, and other you know, types of environments, so you know different types of developer can dip their toes you know, and and rob with uh, injective in a much more native way. Mm. Um, yeah, that's uh, you know Cascade is a hint of uh, you know, something bigger that we're uh, you know uh, working on. Um, How's it been so else? far? Just just to dwell uh, on Cascade a bit because we had Eclipse on in April, if I remember correctly. Uh, so anyone who wants to listen to that, they can go back in in history and find that episode but uh, yeah it's a very exciting uh, partnership and i agree uh, not many people are doing uh, svm rollups like this so how has it uh, been since uh, maybe april or uh, since you launched essentially yeah there's been a lot of projects we've been you know like uh, uh working with eclipse team very very closely on you know uh, not only uh basically you know rounding out the infrastructure uh, and gearing up for like mainnet launch but also more more, more importantly you know Getting the, the entire toolkit, um, getting all the you know uh, very 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 critical uh, interoperability you know um, uh, uh, middle layers you know like uh, um, kind of like programs and stuff like that uh, ready for you know uh, a lot of these uh, salon based apps uh, trying to be more interoperable with uh, the injective core chain. Um, so that is you know always like a consistent problem to tackle, and you know. As an example, like Atmos, you know, did a very, very fantastic job with uh, their EVM extensions. Um, you know, trying to kind of deepen uh, the interoper uh, interoperability and composability with uh, Cosmos based uh, Cosmos ecosystem. And we're basically you know trying to do the same for like uh, SVM, and that's you know one of the things we're you know trying to tackle as well. Beautiful. Yeah, and feel free to uh, run through the list, of course, with uh, the identity infrastructure with Masa, uh, if you want to touch upon that also. Uh, yeah, I'll let you cherry pick, Eric, because you are way more into depth of all this. I'm just uh, here yeah. to list out all the exciting news. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like off the top of my head, I've just been sleeping a lot of floors on like uh, injective NFTs. Um, I, I think like recently there's also like, uh, you know, like a... Uh, um, yeah, there's just been so many projects that are popping up, um, and I've been like, you know, uh, uh, kind of spending a lot of time just like uh, working with them. And it honestly started like it, there's a pretty funny story behind this because essentially a lot of uh, NFT projects reached out to, um, you know, like uh, provide like a one of one and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I, I felt bad uh, because they spent you know so much work on it, so I started sweeping the floors. And then I feel like I just started getting out of hand because uh, you know I keep getting one of ones and you know uh, and they keep expecting me to sweep floors. So I guess that's you know part of my identity now. Um, <laughs> you can put that on a resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and also like my Twitter profile, I think for for the longest time it's like you know uh, gender at like Injective Labs. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a jab at like how like there's a lot of cleanup duty like in like any type of like. <laughs> Uh, a team or like for uh, you know like high growth environments, 
Um, and yeah, like, like I've been, you know, doing a lot of that all the time. And I feel like, you know, they, they kind of uh, interpret it in like a interesting way. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, Masa I'm... is like, uh, obviously very, very exciting. Um, uh, because, you know, like, uh, I, I feel like one of the most important um, uh, UX blocker for, um, you know, any type of like Web3 applications or like, uh, any type of like blockchains or like wallet solutions is kind of like the um, identity aspect of things because typically you know um, in any type of like Web two platform or any type of uh, you know generic platform your your identity is first of all uh, um, very malleable like you can change your handle you can change your like um, um, you know like email and stuff like that and it's also you know secure uh, during the process of that because uh, you know the rotation of these email allows for uh, you know, it makes it much more difficult to hack. Um, whereas, you know, for crypto, uh, the identity is oftentimes static because, you know, your address is kind of like perpetually like tied to you. Um, and on top of that, your reputation, uh, you know, your on-chain activity and stuff like that is also tied to that particular address because uh, any transfer outside of this address, um, you, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, also, it oftentimes have doubt on... You know, whether that's still you or it's you know like someone else, um, and I feel like with uh, with you know more and more of these uh, identity solutions, you know whether uh, it's a CFI or whether it's a DeFi, will not only you know like allow for a better user experience, like you know like uh, ENS, where like people start identifying each other based on their ENS, uh, but you know more importantly, just uh, enable for a much more seamless uh, onboarding flow. I guess also the uh, the identity. Um, infrastructure with Masa is pretty important if you want to uh, really bring it home with uh, Mido, for example, and the uh, real-world asset vaults, where you need to, for example, KYC people when you deal with real-world assets, typically. And, uh, of course, also with the Helix institutional uh, launch, where typically you need to identify uh, who are the backers, who is behind a fund or vault or whatever, so I guess uh, these things sort of start to tie into each other also. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the most important problems to tackle is um, obviously, you know, linking your uh, off-chain identity with your on-chain identity in a sense, but, you know, doing so in like a user-friendly and, you know, uh, you know differential-esque, you know, privacy-preserving way. And... Um, you know, that's why there's so many exciting projects working on identity solutions. Uh, I like that. It's to basically make sure that, um, you know, we unfortunately live in like a world where it, it still has, you know, Web2, understandably, like a compliance framework, et cetera. And, uh, you know, that this allows for, you know, a much more seamless transition and bridging the gap and with a lot of, you know, uh, additional benefits as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Something that I always ask during these spaces, it's a bit of an unfair question to, to you, Eric, because there's so many things going on <laughs> uh, inside the uh, injective ecosystem, but it's basically what is to come, uh, what's on the roadmap, if you will. But uh, being so decentralized in general purpose, uh, as you also mentioned in the past, it might be a bit of a difficult question to, to answer for just one person. Um, but if I was to ask you anyways, Eric, what do you think? What are you most excited about uh, coming out of Injective in the in the in the short term? Hmm. Um, that's an interesting question. 
Um, you can make it totally personal if you want. Um, I'm not going to judge, but of course, there might be some people out there who will judge. <laughs> but uh, but no, in all fairness, um, there's so many things going on with Injective, so uh, hard to uh, include everybody. But uh, yeah, what are you waking up to and uh, thinking uh, mostly about, or perhaps what do you think most about when you shower, which is typically where the big thoughts come to your mind? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, you know, like, oftentimes, like, if you asked me this question a year ago, it would have been such an easy answer, because it's like, you know, like, um, it, it's like uh, only like a handful of projects, and I can, you know, remember them, by, you know, like, like uh, uh, on the back of my mind, but right now it's like getting really, really, really tough. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, there, there's been, you know, a lot of work that's uh, uh, being uh, done by Interactive Labs. And, you know, you probably saw like a glimpse of it on a lot of the recent, you know, like launches and stuff like that. Um, but they're all going to come together, you know, uh, um, as like a, you know, pretty big reveal uh, during the, I think, Token 2049 uh, conference in like a week or two, maybe. Um, and then on top of that, there's been just so many, you know, exciting projects building out, uh, you know, a lot of different uh, DeFi primitives, et cetera, um, that are just, uh, um, you know, like uh, um, building at like unprecedented speed, where like uh, we we oftentimes get jealous as well. It's like, wow, like we we wish we could iterate that quickly, or like you know, oh, like we, you know, damn, like how how do we think about that? Um, what else? Um, I I think there's also like a couple of very very exciting launches. Um, you know, I think they're still in stealth mode, so. I'm not exactly sure, like, if I can like talk about it too much per se, um, but yeah, like, uh, um, I think one of the core beliefs within the uh, injective uh, ecosystem is um, kind of expanding the possibility and um, capabilities of uh, DeFi, and really, you know, from the ground up, disrupting uh, and you know, uh, uh, revamping a lot of the shortcomings that people face within the existing generalized you know DeFi environment, etc. Um, but at the same time, you know, really uh, giving a spotlight towards the advantage of having a tightly connected, composable, trustless uh, DeFi ecosystem. But um, it's always like very, very difficult because, um, you know, uh, to, to build like a decentralized counterpart or something, you have to build it from zero to one um, mm. because the entire like infrastructure from the ground up is different. Um, but one thing that really, really excites me uh, recently is that for once you're going to see, um, you know, with uh, Mito Launch, with a um, couple of uh, ecosystem projects, you're really going to see, you know, like why, you know, Injective is different, like uh, why, like, um, um, there's, uh, like, like, you're going to find features that, you know, you can't, you definitely can't find within DeFi, and you you'll probably will not be able to find well, within a lot of the centralized counterparts as well. And it's uh, really exciting to me. Awesome, man. I have a uh, one last question before opening up the floor, if that's okay with you, uh, Eric. So now is the time to request to speak, guys. Um, and then uh, we'll ask Eric uh, as many questions as we can. But I know you're a busy man, Eric, so it won't be too long. But um, the last question that I have um, that I always like to ask people is uh, what you guys are building towards. So imagine yourself, Eric, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, or 
whatever number of years, long term at least, and you look back at what the injective has become, and you you think to yourself, sitting there 10, 15 years from now, that's exactly what we set out to build. Uh, what does injective look like then, uh, if that's the feeling that you would have 10 and 15 years from now? Um, you know, um, I think like the goal for injective has always been very, very clear to us, which is um, disrupting and you know replacing or um, kind of uh, revamping the entire financial infrastructure. So this means that you know injective theoretically is capable of uh, supporting the settlement and you know um, uh, uh, kind of like the trading of uh, all the major assets, securities, you know, like futures, uh, uh, all the instruments uh, uh, of the world. And with, you know, various type of uh, uh, scalability solutions and stuff like that, it can certainly, you know, be able to support the um, throughput of it as well. And the vision of that is uh, fairly clear. It's, uh, it's uh, being able to, you know, have a very, very, uh, you know, strong or, you know, very, very monumental standing within, you know, advancing and disrupting and, you know, uh, innovating uh, the, you know, archaic, you know, financial sector. Beautiful. We have Orop, who has been requesting to speak for quite some time. Um, And uh, we will only take a few questions there because I know you're busy, but I do want to make sure that the community also feels heard. Um, today, or at least get the chance to ask a question directly to Yuri. I can see Orop has just disappeared from the speaker list again. I don't know what happened there. I'll try to invite you again, Orop. That's something that we got some flag on uh, a few times, uh, not inviting people to speak, so I want to make sure <laughs> people feel heard. <laughs> we already blended in, by the way, a few community questions for the giveaway or the reward uh, for this space. So uh, we are good on that part. But uh, Orop has been very patient, requesting to speak for some time, and I hope he will get access. Spaces is not always working properly, but uh, I'm approving again. Orop. Now I can see, nope. Every time I approve, you drop out. So uh, I'll approve another one, Squirrel Mind. <laughs> nice, nice handle there. Uh, so Squirrel Mind, I just uh, invite you to speak and I can see the mute icon. So if you unmute yourself, you will be able to ask your question. Hey guys, this is uh, Whooping Soccer. Thanks for doing the, um, the chat with Injective Cosmo Club. Really interested in everything they're building. I'm new as an investor to Injective, and I don't know if you covered it yet because I kind of came in late after picking up my kids from school. But did have you talked about the tokenomics of Injective? I see that there's a hundred million cap as far as tokens go, but then some people in the community are saying that it can go over that the hundred million alluded to like one hundred million tokens that were originally created, but then staking. Uh, rewards can make it go over. And then we have burning mechanisms going on. So I was wondering, are, is Injective's goal to try to keep um, the 100 million cap or somewhere around there between you know burning mechanisms and then staking rewards? Are you guys looking for a balance as far as those go? Yeah, I think like um, the 100 million cap might be because um, most of the tracking solutions out there 
you know, typically just tracks, you know, like uh, the uh, Ethereum version of it, um, which is kind of like the ERC20 version of the token itself. Um, because, you know, tracking like the chain native uh, stuff probably requires like uh, them to, you know, run like a whole uh, full node and et cetera, uh, which some of them are working on, but oftentimes this is kind of like a legacy thing. Um, I believe it's like, you know, uh, roughly at the same level. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, because of it's proof of stakes, uh, there's a naturally you know, inf inflationary force, uh, you know, distributed to, you know, uh, staking providers. But at the same time, there is indeed uh, a deflationary force coming from, you know, the auction burn mechanism, et cetera. And obviously, you know, um, uh, just like Ethereum, et cetera, the goal uh, for, you know, the overall ecosystem and the community is to not only have like a prosperous, uh, uh, developer ecosystem and user base uh, and community, but it's also, you know, to make sure that, you know, uh, it's uh, reflected within the economics of it uh, itself. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, Eric. Could, could I ask one more question real quick? Go ahead. All right, thanks. And then, Eric, the other question I had, I, I think I maybe you had mentioned it or there was somebody else with an injective talking about the tokenization of real estate. Did you, did you cover that yet? Or, or how would that happen as far as getting real estate interested in tokenizing with real world assets? Oh, I mean like, you know, Helix institutional launch uh, is certainly, you know, part of it. Uh, it's being able to support first of all, you know, permission token, uh, AKA allow this token. And also, you know, having like uh, the permission exchange layer, um, uh, where, you know, KYC participants, you know, can participate in these uh, type of marketplaces, et cetera. Um, and one of the extensions that, you know, there are currently a lot of uh, RWA uh, platforms and protocols like Ondo, like Open Eden, et cetera, um, that, you know, have a representation in, you know, like either like a fund or, um, you know, like a certain like treasury notes, et cetera. Um, and tokenization of uh, real estate or, uh, um, you know, I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, Pretty sure it's called uh, REIT, I think, um, or uh, uh, yeah, like, like like one of the real estate you know development funds um, that uh, that has you know kind of similar like property and compliance requirements behind it. So this means that you know like a lot of uh, existing solutions uh, within DeFi around real world assets um, and you know kind of like institutional DeFi, etc. However you want to call it, um, can already satisfy the property uh, and be able to support um, you know any type of uh, fund. Or any type of uh, you know, uh, kind of like uh, asset, uh, long as it's you know represented or you know wrapped within like a LP fund structure. Um, so yeah, I think it's more of a, it's perhaps more of a demand and supply issue, where like you know someone you know uh, would have to uh, offer up allocation towards like a specific real estate development project uh, uh, to be tokenized uh, with you know like a you know. Uh, I would say like non-guaranteed uh, uh, fill rate, and uh, at the same time, you know, having enough confidence that there's uh, enough interest of buyers to fill the entire allocation, et cetera. Thank you. I appreciate all the answers. Beautiful. We'll uh, try one last time with uh, Orop. to see if uh, he's able to speak now to ask his question. I can see the mute icon. Nope. <laughs> Every time uh, the request is approved, then uh, it drops out. I don't know. I think it's a Twitter bug. I've seen it before, at least. All right, then. But um, 
with that, Eric, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, well, it's night uh, over where I'm sitting. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always, and uh, super excited to see how uh, how Injective evolves from here. It's uh, it's hard to keep up, I must say. Uh, we try to keep tabs on all the major Cosmos projects, but the Injective, I must say, is uh, giving a run for our money here. <laughs> it's difficult, but uh, that's good. That's very good. I appreciate it. All right. And uh, as always, we uh, we asked a few questions uh, throughout the space. Uh, we took note of uh, the questions that we uh, that we picked, and we will make sure to DM uh, those people who asked those questions for the for the reward. So yeah, Eric, thank you so much. Take care and say hi to the team. Thank you so much. Ciao. Have a good one. Good job. Ciao. This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web three safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you, before making any detrimental mistakes risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score, and if you find yourself wondering, hmm... Maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past? Well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com, that is blockbases.com.